When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Carnival GUV and Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, so very good afternoon, everyone. Uh, the bookend of the day, of course, been a lot of local content throughout uh, your Monday here on SENWA, starting off with uh, Scotty and Goss in Brekkie this morning. Mornings with Mark Duffield. We've just finished with a run home. And here we are now with Sports Day. Great to have your company. And I'll tell you what, can things get any worse for the AFL post-AFL 2022 season uh, with what's transpired today? The fact that the Victoria Police Sporting Integrity Intelligence Unit, in conjunction with the AFL, is investigating the release of voting tallies which resulted in Victoria Police arresting four people over the alleged illegal betting. Now, under investigation for suspicious betting, it all stems from activity from last year's or this year's Brownlow medal count. It's alleged that a person with knowledge of the voting tally of these matches distributed the information to a group of people known to them. That's a Victoria Police statement that was released. And today the AFL confirmed that one of the four people he arrested in relation to the investigation was actually an umpire. And now the investigation is still ongoing to uncover how many matches had votes released with the size of the bets. And while Patrick Cripps, claimed that nail-biting victory. Now, the investigation is said to be looking into spot betting rather than the overall winner. And we know that spot betting was an issue some years ago when there was an investigation into world cricket and illegal bookmakers coaxing people to get involved and looking at spot betting on individual balls being bowled Uh, and individual shots being played. So spot betting is not the overall finale to the Brownlow medal count, but basically just looking at, say, round 12 and predicting what's happening in that round in relation to the Brownlow medal. As I mentioned, and the name has been bandied around and reportedly it's been released, but there is an investigation for people involved and one has been confirmed is an umpire. Now, Dean Margetts, who had an enormous career based in Western Australia, an AFL umpire with distinction, just recently retired, actually, actually was featured on the run home with Hayes and Marta. Here's a snapshot on what he had to say about the Brownlow medal and how it's conducted in relation to the umpires and the voting process and uh, how could this, this could possibly happen. Mate, what was your initial reaction today when you first heard the news? 
Um, yeah, I was, it was unsettling is probably the biggest word that came to mind. It's something that in my 20 years as an AFL umpire, we've never experienced. And it's a little bit like Fight Club. Um, what's the one rule of Fight Club, guys? It's, we never talk about Fight Club, and that's Brownlow Medal for us. It's, we do our job and we treat it very seriously, um, but it's one thing we never discuss. So for this to come out, yeah, it's a bit of a shock, and it's probably unsettled 34 field umpires today as well. Can you give us an understanding of the process? So the umpires get in a room and what happens from that point up until, obviously, the votes are read out? Yeah, so generally after every game, obviously, umpires are pretty tired and fatigued from a pretty you know tough three hours. So we go through our recovery and have a bit of food. Then when everything settles down and we've got time to think and gather our thoughts, we go through the Brownlow medal process. Um, we clear the room. So it's just the three field umpires in that room. And then we go through the discussion of influence on game, you know, players that we thought, you know, contribute to that side performing well or not. Some days it can take 10 or 15 minutes, and it's quite what we think matter-of-fact. And other days it can take up to 45 minutes because we know at the end of a season, guys, that, you know, one or two votes um, during a year could be the difference between a person winning a Brownlow medal and having their life changed or not. So once we've completed that process, we write the three um, players' names on the 3-2-1 card. We all sign that card. We then seal it in an envelope, um, sign it again, and it gets put into a sealed plastic bag um, to be sent to the AFL and into a lockbox to obviously be seen on Brownlow Medal Night. And then, if I'm being honest with you guys, um, 20 minutes after I've left the ground, I'm more worried about the free kicks I may have made incorrectly or got right, and I couldn't even probably tell you who got the votes you know, the next day. So it is interesting to see how this might play out from that point of view. Dean, if the umpire is found guilty, do you think they'll ever umpire in the AFL again? Uh, the last contract I signed, uh, Hayes, I would say probably not. Um, that's not to say everyone deserves a second chance, but um, they're pretty strong on that sort of stuff. And like I said, the contract we signed, it's pretty clear. So if you're going to go down that path and you don't get another opportunity, then you're only got yourself to blame, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Dean Margetts, uh, he was on the run home earlier this afternoon with Hayes and Mardo, and he took us through the process. And there's clearly the umpire that's been implicated will never umpire in the AFL again. Some uh, sad news actually coming out of the AFLW. The competition has been left in shock after news emerged that 2017 Premiership winner Heather Anderson passed away at the age of 28. The former Army medic became the first Northern Territory-based player drafted by the Adelaide Crows with the 10th pick of the 2016 draft ahead of the first season of the AFLW. The details of her death are not yet known. So very sad circumstances there in the AFLW. Coming up on the program today, it's been an interesting weekend, hasn't it? I know on SENWA we've covered the cricket and we've covered a lot of the major events. But there's two other events that I'd like to touch on. Italy beat the Wallabies in a rugby test at the weekend. First time ever that the Italians, who are not considered one of the powerhouse nations when it comes to rugby union, actually beat the Italians. So we're going to focus on that a bit later on in the second half hour of Sports Day. And in the first half hour, I'll speak to former Socceroo and former Sydney FC star Alex Brosk because the Socceroos have arrived in Qatar, in fact, the seven A-League players left from Sydney last night and would have landed some of the European players, like Aaron Moy from Celtic and others, have already begun training. So we'll speak to Alex Brosk 
about the Socceroos, and that will be certainly top of mind for the next month, and hoping that the Socceroos maybe, against expectations, get out of the group stage. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll update what else has happened in sport for tyre power, and as well as that, we'll speak to Alex Brosk, the former Sydney FC captain and Australian star as we count down to the start of the biggest sporting tournament on the planet. That is the FIFA World Cup. It's seven past five. Sports day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, welcome to Sports Day. It's the start of another working week. I hope it's been a good one for you. You can join us anytime on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Uh, of course, Bedshed are experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. And now for tyre power, uh, when you buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all terrain tyres. You need to visit your local tyre power outlet. As I mentioned in other sport, when you look at what uh, has transpired, and it really has been incredible the fact that Italy stunned Australia 28-27 in that win in the Autumn Nations series. We'll be speaking, as I mentioned, to Mick Collis about that a bit later on in the program because it's the first time ever that Italy have beaten Australia. And also Samoa captain Junior Paolo vowed that his team will go all out in their preparations for historic Rugby League World Cup final against Australia. Amazing. Stephen Crichton hit an extra time drop goal to clinch that scintillating 27-26 win over the tournament hosts at Arsenal's Emirates Stadium also at the weekend. Now, Cristiano Ronaldo, as we're about to welcome in Alex Brosk, has made a scathing attack on Manchester United and its manager, Eric Ten Hag, in an explosive interview. Now, it's a sit-down chat with Piers Morgan. It's called Piers Morgan Uncensored, which will air later this week on Flash. And the football superstar said he felt betrayed by the club and believed they were trying to force him out. They're trying to force you out, yes. Not only the coach, but the other two or three guys there around the club. At uh, the senior executive level? Yes that I felt betrayed. And uh, you think they're trying to get rid of you? Honestly, I should not say that, I don't know, but listen, I, I don't care, I'm always, people should listen to the truth. Yes, I feel betrayed and I felt that some people that don't want me here, not only this year, but last year too. Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, interesting, of course, uh, interesting developments. Where Will he be there? Will he be, of course, uh, transferred in that January transfer window? Of course, after going uh, and doing that interview with Piers Morgan, you think that maybe his days at Old Trafford are numbered. All right, a man that's represented Australia, and he represented Australia in almost a decade. He was wearing the green and gold, an outstanding footballer for Sydney FC where he racked up over 100 appearances. In fact, over 200 appearances because he had a couple of stints with Sydney FC. Uh, we're speaking about Alex Brosk, who now is involved, of course, uh, in the promotion and broadcasting of uh, soccer, including the Socceroos and the A-League. Alex, thanks for your time and thanks for joining us. No, no problem. Thanks for having me on the show. What about Cristiano Ronaldo? There's no way he can stay at Old Trafford now, can he? 
Oh, you wouldn't think so. I hadn't heard the comments, but just listening to it there, it's, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's trying to force his way out, I think. You know, you, you don't do an interview like that um, where you sit down and, and lay everything on the table unless you are trying to get yourself out of a, out of a, a situation. So, look, it, it, it's beyond repair now, I think. There, there were a lot of rumours, a lot of speculation, but he's now come out with that interview, uh, and, and it's time. They've got to part ways, I think. And it's time now to get serious about the World Cup. But all the Australian players have seemingly arrived in Doha or in Qatar in preparation for the big event, uh, the FIFA World Cup. The A-League players, actually, the seven of them, left last night from Sydney. So they would have arrived as well. Uh, we start to get excited now. But again, we're not, I suppose you don't get ahead of yourself because you don't, just don't know how Australia's going to go. Is that your feeling? Yeah, look, pretty much. I think, I think as long for me, as long as we play good football, I know Arnie wants to go there, and um, you know he's mentioned shocking the world before, and I really hope they do. But for me, really, the expectation should just be that we we look to build off this World Cup, get some momentum with the amount of boys we've got going overseas, playing in Europe at the moment. For me personally, I feel like in four years' time, we'll be much better placed. That we'll, we'll be have a lot more. You know, players in, in at a better age have with a lot of European experience. So for this one, I'm not expecting a great deal. Um, we've got games against France, against Denmark. You know, th- those are two countries that are tipped to do extremely well in this uh, in this tournament. Um, and we have a lot of young players, a lot of inexperienced players. So again, I think they'll grow from this one, be better for it for the next one. But look, we, we've got to hope. You know, we didn't expect to even be here. I think a lot of people didn't think that we'd get past Peru, which they did. They stuck together. Arnie's got a great knack of, you know, turning all the negativity into a, a real positive and get those players driven. So they'll definitely be up for it. We, we should be excited. We should be hopeful. Um, but we should also possibly be a little bit realistic and just hope that we play some good football and do Australia proud. Well, you know Arnie very well. Of course, uh, he was at Sydney FC when you were a player. Uh, how will he handle this, do you think? Because it is, it is the big event. The spotlight's on him and on the team. It doesn't get any bigger than this now. No, it doesn't. You know what? You know what looking at the footage of the players arriving, training already in Qatar, it, it's hard not to get excited. And that's just from me looking from the outside. I, I'd imagine the players would be, um, you know, would have such a great feeling just being amongst that whole uh, environment at the moment. So they'll, they'll be excited. They'll be up for it. It doesn't. These moments don't come along for the players often, if at all. You know, so they they Arnie's very aware of that. You'll be aware of making this special for them, um, but you'll also be very aware of everything that's being said back home. The fact that no one's really expecting all that much, and driving that into the players to you know to to shock everybody to say right, nobody believes in us. Let's go out there and prove every prove everybody wrong. Arnie's great at doing that. He's great at getting that into his players. And, you know, they don't come much bigger than France in that opening game. But I think you'll have them ready. And and hopefully you can pull something out of the bag for us. Yeah, we'll come to that opening game in a moment, Alex. But when you look at the the wow factor, or certainly putting players in a position many didn't predict. Of course, we've got uh, Garang Kual, the become the youngest ever World Cup player after what has been a remarkable selection despite having never started a professional match. And, of course, (laughs) Scottish-born striker Jason Cummings has been included as a potential X factor. Is that Arnie's way to maybe throw, uh, throw the dice a bit and hopefully it does work? Look, I think so. I think looking at the squad that he's picked, he has a 
game plan that he wants to carry out, which is to try and press. You know, there's a lot of fit, energetic players there if you look across the midfield and, and in attacking areas. So I think he, he doesn't want to sit back and try and defend and, and, you know, get a draw if we can. He's going out there to try and get get more than that. And I think, I think it's very brave. I think it's good. I think he's got the players there to carry out a game plan for, you know, we've always been known as being fit, as being strong, physical. And he's, I think he's picked the squad to, to do that, you know, to try and get in the face and make France uncomfortable, make Denmark uncomfortable, like we like we did a cup uh, in the last World Cup. So, Garant Quali is that X factor. He's that excitement that we've. You're right. He hasn't started a game, but every single time he's come off the bench for the Mariners, he's had an impact, and, and none more so than over the weekend, where he he scored two goals in in the 20 30 minutes he was on the pitch. So you can see already what what that excitement of being and going to a World Cup has done for him. He's not phased by anything. He played against Barcelona in the All-Stars match only a couple months ago, and he didn't look out of place at all. So he's an exciting young player, and, and Cummings just gives you something different, something out of the box, something that we, uh, you know, a little bit unpredictable up in that forward position that we need. So it's a, it's a pretty well-balanced squad, and um, look, I think all more than capable of carrying out what Arnie wants to do over there. Of course, you were a forward, a winger. You scored goals for Sydney FC and around the world when you played, of course, internationally. And, of course, you even scored for Australia. Have we got the strike power to score goals, which is required to win games of football? That, that is the concern and not because of the quality. I think we've definitely got enough quality. Martin Boyle can score goals. Mitch Duke, McLaren, Cummings, Mabil, Leckie, they, they can all score goals. I think it's just, it's I guess going forward as a team creating opportunities for these guys you know, and that's something that Arnie there's not long to go. There's only a week before we kick off but Arnie really has to work on that because in, in the qualifying matches our hardest games were against Japan and Saudi Arabia, and we didn't create a lot in those games. And that's the concern going into the World Cup against the likes of France, Denmark, and Tunisia. We we need to find ways to create because we have goal scorers in the squad. So if Arnie can get that part, and again, he doesn't have much time, if he can get that part right, um, I, I do have confidence that these boys in the squad can score goals. But then you look at France in our opening game. How would you play it? You know, Kylian Mbappe, uh, Karim Benzema, you know, there's this is star power here and the thing you don't want to happen in the first game against France who with the likes of other nations are one of the fancies to maybe take out the tournament the Brazils and the Argentina is get walloped so how do you play the first game to keep your hopes alive of maybe getting the four points against Tunisia and Denmark Uh, what would be the tactics for Arnie in that opening game well, you know, I would probably be very, very cautious. And that's because you, you named a few of the, the players that France have got and you can't help but be scared. But Arnie's actually gone the other way and he said, look, that's the game that he's targeting. That's the game he wants to get three points in. He feels like France always go into competition and start very slowly. We saw last World Cup, they underestimated us. And he was there watching the French team go out to warm up before the game against Australia. And he said they looked like they thought they had the game in the bag. They just had to go out onto the field. They barely even warmed up. They looked like they were just cruising. And and we did well against them. It took a, a very late uh, penalty for them to beat us. So I think, look, I think it's tough. You don't want to go. We, we remember what happened against Germany, the 4-0 hiding that we caught. But I feel like in that game, we were very negative with our, with our tactics, with the, the way we set up. 
And I feel like Arnie will have a different approach. He's going to be more positive, And hopefully we can uh, surprise them like we did last World Cup, but end up with at least a point. It's interesting, uh, Keanu Bacchus has actually come out, of course, played with the Western Sydney Wanderers before deciding to go to Scotland, where there's a lot of Australians now playing. He's playing for unfashionable St Mirren, who, by the way, uh, drew one all with Rangers at the weekend. Uh, Your thoughts on the amount of Australians now playing in Scotland, which isn't one of the biggest leagues in the world, but what does it do for players like Bacchus? Look, it means that they're in the shop window. So while the Scottish Premier League may not be the biggest, these guys have all just gone there recently. And the idea and, and hope is that they'll have a lot of them. They're all playing. A lot of them are playing. They're playing well. They're scoring goals. Um, and I think the idea, that's why I was saying about in four years' time, I feel like we'll, we'll see the best out of this squad because a lot of these young guys, they've gone over there and it takes time. You don't just become you know, uh, uh, successful in Europe overnight. Even that incredible generation of players in 2006, they, mm-hmm. you know, they had to slug it out in lower leagues before eventually, you know, your Grellas and Brescianos ended up in, in the Serie A. Kay, Tim Cahill, Mark Viduka, all these guys, you know. So it's not easy to get to Europe and, and make it. So I think these guys all playing in Scotland at the moment, in a couple of years' time, hopefully some of them are playing in England, in Spain or in Italy, um, and our national team will, will grow from it. So it is great to see all these uh, guys in Europe at the moment. Mm. No doubt you're excited. You're co-host of the Global Game here on SEN. As I said, you're a star player. Simon Hill, of course, is also part of the program. What's the general feeling, Alex? You know, deep down inside, what are the waters telling Alex Brosk about the Australians? I reckon either will be something <laughs> out of the box that we didn't expect and maybe they get a draw against France and they beat Tunisia and they thought, hey, unbelievable, look where they've come, or it could turn a bit uncomfortable. Uh, what, what's your general feeling? Oh, look, my, my feel is one of hope. You know, I, I feel like I, I completely underestimated, um, you know, just how how incredibly strong that bond is between this team. They they did it extremely hard in qualifying. And Arnie, you know, he, he likes to point that out to people, that it wasn't your regular qualifying route that we had. It was, you know, lockdowns. It was pl- being away from home and their families for long periods of time, not playing many games in Australia. And they got through it. And I didn't expect them to get past Peru, and they did. So I feel like this team has a closeness that can bring something special out, that can bring something that uh, that we're probably not, not expecting and, and can't see yet. But you're right. I mean, if we can get a point out of France in that first game, anything can happen from there. I mean, the confidence out of getting a draw against one of the favourites to win the World Cup would be immense for this group of players. Tunisia is the next game. We could get a win there. And then all of a sudden, we're going into that third game. Denmark are hopefully qualified and, and, you know, rest some players. And all of a sudden, we're looking at potentially getting out of the group. So, look, it's just one of hope for me at the moment. I'm hopeful more than anything. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us. I love having a chat to you, Alex Broskin. Enjoy the World Cup. As you said, it's only a week away and it's uh, so close. We can touch it now and let's hope Australia really do uh, provide enormous entertainment for the faithful back here down under. Thanks for your time. No problem. No problem. Good on you. Alex Brosk joining us. As I mentioned, Australia's first game is on Saturday of the first week. They play France and I think the kickoff is around about 6 o'clock Perth time but just check your guides for that. SBS of course uh, from a television point of view, are uh, covering it. But when it comes to radio, 
It is the Sports Entertainment Network, SEN, that have got the radio rights. And we'll be broadcasting every single game of the tournament. Every single game. Uh, so it's going to be a huge coverage and looking forward to being part of the broadcast team. We'll take a break. It's 27 past five. And this is uh, Drive with uh, Peter Vlahos. Uh, in fact, it's also Sports Day, driving you home. Uh, show your support for Maccabi Day, by the way, by purchasing a pair of silly socks from Maccas for only $5. Now, the money raised will go towards Ronald McDonald House Charities as they continue to help seriously ill or injured children and their families. Take that on board and support the cause. The Temperate Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Well, there was a couple of real significant events across the weekend and both in the rugby codes in my opinion firstly in rugby league we saw Samoa beat England to get through to the rugby league world cup final next weekend against Australia who will start hot favorites but still Samoa are in the final ahead of the likes of England and co which is an incredible performance. New Zealand, uh, just to name another nation that was expected to be in the firing line. And the other one is that Italy stunned Australia with a 28 to 27 win in the Autumn Nations Series. Now, it's their first ever win over the Wallabies and a landmark win for that country against one of the uh, rugby's real heavy hitters. And I thought, we can't let this just simply be swept aside. We need to talk about it because there is a World Cup coming up and some are saying now that rugby and the Wallabies have got no hope whatsoever in getting anywhere close enough to maybe win the World Cup next year, maybe looking now at four years down the track. When we talk rugby, I invite this gentleman on because he knows the sport better than uh, most. Uh, Mick Collis, thanks for your time. Pete, always a pleasure. And, mate, there is, there is so much to talk about with you. And I want to start with the Rugby League with, um, with that great win by yes. Samoa, as you, as you mentioned. And it's, it's funny, he's, it, Samoa's coached by a guy called Matt Parrish. And Matt is a former rugby player, played um, for Eastwood in, in Sydney. Oh, he, he was one of my best mates at school. So is I've known that Matt right? for a long time. Right. And it's funny because last, last year the, uh, the players signed a letter saying that they didn't want Matt to coach Samoa. They wanted the, Andrew, the Johns brothers, Andrew and Matthew Johnson, Sonny B. Williams, to take over and coach Samoa. And that letter's gone to the King of Samoa. And the King of Samoa said, no, I want to keep Matt in charge. And their first game at this World Cup against England, they got beat by 60 points to six. And everyone mm. said, Matt Parrish has got to go. Matt's got to go. And now, for some, somehow, they've, they've turned it around. And, um, yeah, look, Samoa now into the final, World Cup final. They'd, they'd never made a semi-final before. And now that little tiny nation is a, is a rugby league World Cup final, so it's a fantastic moment for that that country, and uh, well, very happy for that, obviously as well. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic story. The biggest game in Samoan history is coming up against the Australians. What if they beat Australia, the Kangaroos? That'll be something else. Oh, let's hope it's a, a close rugby league yeah, World I, Cup final. That's what we're hoping. Yeah, for. I hope they didn't. I hope they didn't because when they, I don't know if you saw the end when they, and again, it went to Golden Point yeah. in the semi final, and they won it, and I and they they celebrated like they'd won the World Cup. So I'm hoping that they've still got something left in the tank 
to uh, to come up against the Australians next week. But there's a heap of, you know, I think there's about five Penrith players in that Samoan side that won the grand final in the NRL. So they won't be intimidated. They've played against those guys alongside them. So hopefully they'll put up a good contest. Yeah, and no, that was a great story. What about the Italians? How the hell did this happen? How did this happen, Mickey? Again, it goes wow. into the history books. Uh, the Azuri have never beaten the Wallabies, but they did it again in a close contest at the weekend. I know there was a few name players rested by David Rennie, but still. Yeah, mate, we were miles off. And, and that's the thing. That was the 19th time the Wallabies have played Italy. The average winning margin is 21 points that Australia's beaten Italy by, and we've gone around and lost by a point. And the Italians, they left 14 points on the field with missed kicks. So it shouldn't have even come down to that last, you know, unfortunate young the guy making his test debut and missed that kick. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have even been in that situation. So it was an abysmal performance by the Wallabies. And there's a lot of finger-pointing going on and a lot of talk about... I mean, look, Dave Rennie... We've spoken a couple of times. I don't particularly know if he's the answer or not, but he made 11 changes, 12, one guy, uh, Nick Frost got crook. So 12 changes to a team from the test they played um, last week. So you're never going to get the cohesion. And, and, you know, some of the guys he left out, he left out Michael Hooper. Mm. Now, Hooper hasn't played all year. He said because it was five test matches in a row, which they only did for the money anyway. So that was purely just to try and raise some money. Hooper hasn't played all year. He doesn't need a rest. So you've got one of the best players in the world on his day. He's sitting on the sideline watching. And I just think it was just a really... It was a, I think they treated the Italians um, poorly. I think they thought that was the game that they were going to win on this tour. So let's just give the, the B guys a bit of a run. But just uh, just uh, some dumb, dumb selections. And what he doesn't understand... like you know, He might be a genius. And we might come out and win the World Cup next year. And everyone will think, God, this was all part of the plan. But the way rugby in Australia is at the moment, you can't afford to put out a mediocre performance. When interest is waning as it is, you can't afford to put out a team that gets beaten by Italy. So anyone that's just hanging on by their fingernails as a supporter is now thinking, oh, no, mate, bugger this. I'm going to watch the league next week. I'm not, I'm not even going to watch Australia play on in the rugby. So we've got to win rugby matches. We can't be thinking this is all for a plan for, for 12 months' time because there won't be any fans to watch in 12 mm-hmm. months' time. It's interesting. Uh, I know Sterling Mortlock, the uh, former World Cup captain, says, uh, apart from being a train wreck lost to Italy, that... They need to address, this is a national side, systemic discipline issues once and for all. Uh, is there real discipline problems with some of the teams or some of the players within the team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think we gave away 16 penalties to their eight and we had a yellow card. And again, the yellow card by this Jake Gordon, the halfback, they're calling it, it was like a hip and shoulder. And in rugby, you can't, you can't take people out off the ball. And this, and this the number 10 for um, Italy was down the sideline, kicked it, and Jake Gordon took him out, knocked him into touch. So Jake Gordon has to spend 10 minutes in the bin. So all of a sudden, your team's down to 14 men, and the Italians scored, you know, about a minute or two after that. So it's just these little stupid mistakes that we continually make, and we make them, you know, we might be on the attack and finally getting some momentum, and someone will do something stupid and give away a penalty, or, or you know, we're defending, and everyone's defending strongly, and someone will give away a dumb penalty, and they'll, they'll kick the goal for the point. So it's these little things that they do which take pressure off at the wrong time. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that's that's a coaching issue and it, and, it, and, it, and it could well be, but just the players have got to be better than that. You know, they they know the rules and it's... Uh, mate, it's such a frustrating... Oh, I love the game and I love the Wallabies, but, geez, they're making it tough at the moment to support them just because those simple errors 
that they do make. And again, not helped by the decision. So right at the very end, so a young kid, you know, look, and again, our number 10 has been an issue for for since Bradman was a boy, basically. Yeah. You just can't find a, a decent number 10. And there's this young kid, Noel Alessio. What, he's only he's 22, played, Mick? He's about 22? Yeah, he's about 22. And they thought he was going to be the next big thing. So they put all the, all the regs in one basket with him. They give him a couple of tests and they won't play him against the All Blacks. They give him a couple of tests, they won't play him again. So he started this weekend. They didn't really like him. So they've put on this young kid, Ben Donaldson, who was a very good number 10 for the Waratahs, put him on for the last four minutes in a close game. And then he's been the one, because Alessio was the kicker. Alessio's off. So this guy, Ben Donaldson, has got to line up the kick. He's only, it's his first, you know, four minutes in Test Rugby and he's, and he's missed the kick. So you think, God, why, why put a, a kid on for your debut with four minutes to go, put him on at half time, give him some time to actually mm. get into the rhythm of the game. And but but Rennie, some of his selection things that he does, so that's what what they're talking about now. At the moment, he is God. He's the sole selector and the coach. They're now talking about bringing in a selection panel of people to try and take some of that control off Dave Rennie because at the moment the decisions that he is making they're not working. It looks like, as you mentioned, uh, they're going to play Ireland this week and it looks like they'll field their strongest possible side. So it means the likes, and they missed out, Captain James Slipper, Parecki, Hooper, Valentini, Foley, Callaway, they'll all be included. So it'll be a far different looking team against the Irish. And I suppose they need to maybe win back a bit of credibility against the Irish. Yeah, but geez, they're making it tough. The Ireland are ranked number one in the world at the moment. So it's certainly... It's not going to be an easy run for them. And you just think about, if you're a part of that Wallaby team at the moment, I think morale, look, they're on tour, they're playing for their country, they're with their mates. Yeah, it doesn't get much better. But but to think, the, I think the morale would be a little bit down because there's a lot of negative media about that team. That team that actually lost on the weekend, they've now got that little bit of history of, of losing for the first time against Italy. So it's, it would have been great if they were coming into this island game on a high, but they're going to come in, you know, they're going to, they're, they're I mean, they've always wanted to win, but now they're almost, they're, they've got that added level of desperation to win just to try and win back the public. So it puts all this undue pressure on these players that they, I think they're going to start overthinking things now. Oh, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? As opposed to just when you're in form and you're winning, you just play that natural game and things tend to work. But the further you get down that hole, you start making more mistakes because you overthink everything. So... They've just made it really hard for themselves now to come up up against and this and you know the Irish team it's a good side and they'll want to just put the hammer into the into the coffin of the Wallabies as well now so it's really going to be tough but look we do have a good side and you go back I mean we beat French um, the French by um, no we got beat by a point against the French we were never expected to get near them um, Scotland they should have beat us but their kicker missed a similar penalty goal from the same spot to give us the win it was so it's been one point all these Test matches so far so. You know, with Lady Luck, we're three out of three. But unfortunately, the way world rugby is at the moment, it, it is pretty tight and you can't afford to miss an opportunity. And we have on a couple of occasions. So, mate, I, I don't know. It's going, to be, it's going to be tough for them this week. And then they've got Wales uh, the weekend after that. So they've still got two tough matches on this tour. Mm-hmm. And the, the way they're going at the moment, you know, and Dave Rennie's record, I think it was in uh, 2018 when Michael Checker was in charge. They won four from 13 and his record was 30 0.8% as a coach. At the moment, if the Wallabies lose against Ireland, we go four wins from 14, and Dave Rennie's um, win rate goes down to 28%. Now, what code hangs on to a coach 
that's got a, a winning rate that low? And I'll tell you the answer, Pete. It's rugby Australia. <laughs> They're not going to take them before the World Cup. So yeah. it's, just, it's crazy at the moment. <laughs> Mickey, before I let you go, we've had uh, a text come through on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Back to rugby league. And it says, hi, Peter. Mick, uh, in the Wallabies and Kiwi game, why was an Australian umpire in a World Cup allowed to umpire that game? That's from Lisa. That was in the rugby league? Yeah, it would have been. Uh, it would have been because, I, I, yeah. I, I just think that, I think we've got the best referees. And I think in, in a World Cup, I think you've, I mean, there's all this talk about, about bias, but I think that these guys are professionals and they are the, the best in the world. And I think if you put a substandard referee up against, uh, in, in that sort of context, I think that's, creates more more dramas and more risk of error than putting in someone who you might think is going to be biased. And I just don't think they will be. I think mm. they're going to they're going to call it as they see. You know, you've got an Australian referee referees the rugby league grand final, which is probably one of the best games that you'll see all year. So I, I think those sorts of blokes are more than capable of, of remaining unbiased in that test match situation. Good on you, Mickey. Thanks for joining us. Yes, the Kangaroos taking on Samoa. They uh, knocked out the Kiwis, of course, in the semi-final of the Rugby League World Cup. And, of course, the Rugby World Cup, one of the big events on the planet, happens next year. And Sterling Mortlock, former World Cup captain, reckons we've got no hope, Mick, but funnier things have happened. <laughs> But, but, and look, I'm going across there for... Uh, I've got... I'm leading a tour. If anyone wants to go on it, rugbyworldcuptour.com. But I'm going across for the pool matches, so the good thing is I'll actually get to see them play. I remember I went across in 2007, and when I landed in France, they were landing back in Australia. So at least this way, I'm going to guarantee to see them play. <laughs> good on you, mate. And uh, you'll have a great group with you. Thanks for joining us. We'll keep in touch. Thanks, Pete. Good on Always you. a pleasure. Cheers, mate. All right, uh, Mickey Collis, uh, talking rugby league and rugby. Yeah, as he said, uh, when it comes to Samoa, one of his schoolmates now is the coach of the Samoan team. And wish him and wish him, and of course the Samoan players all the best for their World Cup final match against the Kangaroos this weekend. It's a quarter to six. This is Sports Day with Peter Vlas. Where we may be listening on SEN Track six five seven, SEN Spirit six twenty one in Bunbury in the southwest, SEN Goldfields at sixteen eleven on DAB Plus Radio at SEN Peel or SEN WA on the SEN app. Great to have you on board. Of course, get behind the Perth Wildcats this season if you'd like to see them in action. And be up close and personal. Happens at RAC Arena. Head to ticketech.com.au and get your tickets uh, for whatever games there still remain in this 2022-23 uh, season at the Wildcats. It's a quarter to six. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. And Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, Sports Day on this Monday with Peter Vlahos. Great to have you coming. Congratulations to the WAE cricket team. A big win today against South Australia early on day four of that Sheffield Shield match just across the Swan River from where we're broadcasting here at Optus Stadium at the Wacker. Uh, an innings and 28 runs. Uh, they dismissed South Australia for 117 in their second innings. Matthew Kelly actually had an absolute blinder with the ball, taking nine wickets for the match. He took five in the first innings uh, with South Australia dismissed for 299. He took five for 34 in the first innings 
and then a return to the crease to take four for 23 in the second innings to help uh, route the Redbacks for that total. He bowled 12 overs today, six maidens, four for 23. Lance Morris, who's been a great acquisition to the pace battery for WA, uh, chimed in with three wickets today. And there were singles to Gannon and Rocacholi. So well done, WA, who in the first four Sheffield Shield games so far have won three and there's been one drawn game. So they've started exceptionally well. All right, uh, let's have a look uh, at mornings with Mark Duffield, which is heard Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday between 8 and 10 here on SENWA. Today he spoke to the brand-new chairman or the newly elected chairman uh, replacing Russell Gibbs is Paul Fitzpatrick. He joined Duff this morning and firstly gave his thoughts certainly on why he took the role. Primarily because the club, the club is in great shape, particularly off the field. Uh, we have terrific members and we've got a, a, a good membership base, uh, very good sponsors and, uh, and we're able to sell uh, a lot of the product that we can sell at the stadium uh, and we sell it very well. Um, so off the field, I think we're in really good shape. Obviously, it wasn't the season we would have liked this year, but there is a lot to look forward to in the next season. I think doing a, a quick calculation, I'm, I'm calculating there are five players who, who will push to play in our first 22 that we didn't see at all last year. Um, there's probably another six that we hardly saw at all last year that all, would also push to be in the first 22. Uh, and then there's another six or seven developing players who are showing real promise. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see how those players develop and how the more senior players who are coming back perform in the next season. Paul Fitzpatrick there. Of course, he is the uh, brother of Mike Fitzpatrick, who made, of course, a name for himself with Subiaco in the WAFL. And then with Carlton, where he played 150 games. And as we know, he's a three-time premiership player. He was uh, in Mike Fitzpatrick, AFL premiership captain. And as we know, in the end, it was also involved with the AFL commission. He was appointed to the AFL commission in 2003, and he was replaced by Rod Evans as its chairman in 2007. But Paul Fitzpatrick is the brother of Mike, so keeping an interest in uh, certainly AFL footy. <coughs> So we wish uh, Paul all the best with the West Coast Eagles. Norman Cal has got on the temper of bedshed text line 0487 736 736. He says uh, Peter should never have sacked Eddie Jones and Australia have got the best rugby league refs. Hence why, uh, regarding Lisa's query a bit earlier in the program, why an Australian referee was in charge of that semi-final at the Rugby League World Cup between Australia and New Zealand. Just some news that I can share with you. I believe the Perth Footy Club, as we know, haven't won a Waffle Premiership since 1977. There's a few changes, a few developments down there at the moment. I believe that Adrian Barrich, former Perth player and captain of the club, may be voted in as the new president of the Perth Footy Club and I believe that Ben Cousins will head to the Perth Footy Club as well and will be assisting them. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what role will be identified for Ben, but I believe it may be a mentoring or development role, certainly working with the, the younger players at the Perth Footy Club. As we know, his father, Brian, was an outstanding footballer for Perth 
before he went and played in the VFL with Geelong. So just repeating that, I feel that uh, very shortly you'll see some news regarding the fact that Ben Cousins uh, will be joining Adrian Barrich down there at the Perth Footy Club and will be assisting uh, with uh, maybe the resurrection of the Demons, who have found things pretty tough in recent times. And I believe their Colts team last season absolutely with just a, a chopping block for the other Colts teams as well. So they're going to try and build from the base and hopefully Perth Demons will have a pretty good season next year. They've certainly recruited a very good coach in Peter German. But certainly from a non-field point of view, I'm guaranteed you'll see an improvement with the Demons. Anyway, thanks for joining us on the program today. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll go into the vault tomorrow with some uh, surprise. Stay tuned for that. That's from 5 o'clock tomorrow. Sports Day with Peter Vlaho. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. Have a great Monday night, everyone. I'll catch you tomorrow. Cheers. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.